200 level Mike Carpenter in the basement on a Tuesday evening. It is just before 9 o'clock. We'll go until about 9.30. Illinois beats Michigan State. And if we're going to have a title for this episode, it could just be... (sighs) Wow. I was at the State Farm Center with my friend Kyle, and we had our, our normal seats. And as I picked him up from work at 5.30, I said, what the hell? You know, I don't expect to win, but if they did, it doesn't matter how they would win. It would just feel great regardless, and it feels great. I'm not going to lie. I mean, anyone that tuned in Friday, and on the Twitch stream especially, and saw all my histrionics, you know, I was pretty ticked off on Friday because I thought that, you know, Kofi or not, that was inexcusable the way that that game ended, and it's all about how the team responds. Well, they responded beautifully and I say beautifully clearly the last five minutes of that game were not beautiful and there were ugly stretches of this game but I don't care you know I mean at the end of the day all that mattered tonight was somehow stealing a win and you stole it and I know that down the stretch and man we felt it in the State Farm Center you could feel everyone on pins and needles just hold on just hold on and they did and they held on because there were some big plays down the stretch now there were plays that were not made I love Trent, but he's got to make those free throws. We know that, and he knows that. Luke Goody, though, big rebound um, to avoid Michigan State getting a second chance. I want to talk real quick about that last play because at least in person, and, and Twitch stream help me out here, what you guys thought about this. At least in person, I didn't have any issues with Coleman Hawkins and the way he defended that last shot. It was good defense that just happened to be in the most crucial shot of the game. And if he doesn't defend it like that, it's, I think, an easy layup in a tie game when we go to overtime. How good would any of us have felt had that went to overtime? If I I can borrow an old cliche, at least make him earn it. And I felt like that's what happened there. And could I have wished that maybe they swallowed their whistle? Sure, but you know what? That was a good take by Michigan State's guy. I can't really blame Hawkins for that. I know it was not really the most effective game for Hawkins, but um, that is not one of the issues that I had. I just said, what the hell's the guy going to do? Um, this is from Bobo. <laughs> Last nine minutes weren't good. Illinois scored four points in the final 942. Now, part of that we can chalk up to Michigan State really tightening up, right? But I agree, Bobo. That part wasn't good. And I, I turned to my friend Kyle, and I think it was with five or six minutes to go, I said, if you can just get to 60 points, you're going to win. Clearly, that would have been the case, but you didn't. Now, the flip side of that is you did just enough defensively to keep Michigan State from eventually taking a lead. So that is credit to Illinois for that. Um, And I'm getting a few people here in the Twitch thread say, this is from It's Whipple. They let that contact go all game, which is why it was frustrating. So, And that's the thing, right? Whipple, I wasn't angry at Coleman Hawkins, and I wish they would have swallowed the whistle. So it's not like when that happened, I thought, oh, Coleman, you got to know the time left in the game. No, there was nothing else he could have done. I mean, let's say the other scenario, he tries to take a charge, but they call a block and then it's that much easier of a layup for Michigan State. And then they tie it and they get the game winning free throw opportunity. Uh, And this is from Max Power. It wasn't a foul, really. That should be called at the end. And I could agree with that. But earlier, Max Power, you said, just get that W. That's all that matters. That is all that matters. Arizona might have been a game where offensively you were a hell of a lot better, but you lost. Purdue. A lot of fun. One of the most fun times I've had in that State Farm Center in the last 10 years. You lost. This, oddly enough, despite all the ugliness that took place in these you know, five or six-minute increments in the game, it was fun. I, I look at this Illinois team, and we were waiting for a marquee win, and this is the most roundabout way that they could have gotten it, but they got it. You know, This is a Michigan State team that's going to win a lot of games as this year goes on, so I really don't 
have any issues with the fact that you beat Michigan State in this manner. Um, I don't care if Michigan State had an off night or not. This is college basketball. All that matters is when the selection committee looks at who you beat, and they aren't going to look at every single minor detail, though it does not hurt that you did this without Kofi and Andre Corbello. Andre Corbello not playing that one, I kind of assumed if he was sick on Friday, um, it's going to be touch and go with him maybe. I feel bad for the kid. Not sure why he's playing sick on Friday. If he's still sick, they said COVID protocols. Don't know if that means he actually has COVID. He actually had a frustrated tweet tonight and said, you know, I can't catch a break. So I feel for him that way. Um, But Kofi was the one. That was the one that when we found out he wasn't going to play, we all thought, well, great. But I tried to do the opposite of what happened Friday where it was just so easy to go down into that negative rabbit hole. And I did that because I thought that game was inexcusable. And then you bounce back like this. That that says a lot to me. And as that game was going on, I, I turned to Kyle and, and said something to the effect of, you know, you find a way to win this game. It is not, I don't want to say a program-defining win because that's hyperbole. But I do think it shows the strength of a program in year five versus year two or three. You aren't winning this in year three, right? If Kofi or Io misses a game in 2020, in that Big Ten season, you were not winning that game. You won this game with BBV and Omar Payne replacing Kofi. And by the way, and we'll get to these guys individually, they played really good basketball. Yeah, there were a couple silly fouls maybe, but you can't ask for more from the platoon of BBV and Omar Payne. Wow. I mean, they had great touch around the rim. They played good defense. You know, there were some silly fouls. I thought they were getting a little bit too handsy there in the second half, but I can't ask for anything more from those guys. I can't ask for anything more from Luke Goody. Wow. He needs to get more tick, especially the way the Grandison's trending. And that's a whole thing we'll get into as well. Goody has to get more tick. Actually, also the way that DeMonte's trending right now. Um, in a way, the veterans didn't quite show up the way that we thought going into the game. They'd have to. I thought if Illinois is going to win this game, it's going to be Plummer's going off. And he got his, but he was quiet late in the game. And I felt like either Michigan State was throttling him or we weren't making a, a concerted enough effort to get him the ball. That was the only qualm I had maybe with Underwood is you got to drop a play or two for Plummer to get that three. Though, in Plummer's defense, 12-point game. Turns into a nine-point game. He got a three, I want to say, with about eight or nine minutes to go to go back up 12. And to me, that was a big moment to stem the tide. And you needed every single point you got tonight, of course. So uh, not the best game for him. Trent got his, but he didn't make the free throws at the end. Oddly enough, it was the ragtag group of BBV, Omar Payne, and Luke Goody that helped you secure the win. And good for them. And this is the epitome of a team win. Um... The defense, for the most part, was fantastic tonight. And Michigan State was going to make the run, and they did. But you would build up enough of a lead, and you made a couple crucial stops when you needed to. Um, I got no no qualms with that. So lots to get to tonight. We're going to go until 9.30, so 30 more minutes. And we got some good people here on the, uh, on the Twitch thread, which you can join us if you are listening to this via podcast. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash the 200 level. Before I get too far into this, and you can tell my voice is feeling it, it was that kind of night at the State Farm Center, uh, got got the juices flowing again, and I'm still riding that high. Got to remind you, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. Custom zones with any topping you want or some of their fa- favorites like the Maui Wowie 
or the buffer zone. That is online at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com for vintage-inspired Alani apparel. Fourthandkirby.com. They got hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, and T-shirts. And hopefully we have another good two-plus months of basketball left. So get your new lucky shirt today at Fourth and Kirby. All right, we also got State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy. He can be your guy as well. So this is great State Farm prices, of course, but a personalized service that made the whole process really easy for me and Kara. So go online to brianismyguy.com. Finally, Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for any home exterior project. And it might be freezing cold. It's miserable out right now. Uh, Windchill Advisory. Isn't that fun? But you should still go to rectorconstruction.com and get a free estimate for any home exterior project. That is rectorconstruction.com. Also, Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. Want to get to some of these texts here from Jay Wolfie. Hey, Carp, great win. Yeah, it was. Let's start with that. Let's just start with the fact that it was a great win. And the importance of it, I don't know if we're going to be able to overstate it as the season goes along. We'll get to Northwestern when we have to, and we might end the podcast with a little bit of that, but that's going to be what it is, a tough game. I hate to say that, and I think you got to get the win. I know they've gotten a couple quality wins, but you need to beat Northwestern. Ultimately, I would like to think this team learned their lesson from Maryland, and they do just that. But this tonight, this tonight was a big win. It was a great win, and it was not a great win in terms of how efficient you were offensively, and actually there's a... a, Thing in the chat thread here from uh, Alani Dave. No ball movement, no cutting, standing around the whole second half. Now, Alani Dave, I think that towards the end of the game, I had a little bit less of an issue with that because it felt like you had to be methodical on offense. It just so happened that you missed some layups. I mean, they were defending the rim pretty well, which you would expect with Michigan State. So they got a few blocks. You had a couple of possessions where Grandison, I don't, I don't know what he was doing. I, I don't know what he's doing in general right now. I'm, I'm worried about Grandison. Um, so I would agree that there was less ball movement. They were doing that weave up on the perimeter, and that wasn't creating a lot for you. I, I was hoping for maybe more set plays for Plummer. Um, I, you know, Trent does what he can. I don't want to say Trent's limited, but he's not Io. Right, And he didn't quite close out the game tonight, but I still want him with the ball in his hands. He had a take in the last two minutes, I want to say, where he missed the layup because they contested it. And this is the thing about Michigan State. I thought it was a terrible matchup, even with Kofi, which makes it even better of a win that you still got it without Kofi. They have a bunch of 6'8 to 6'10 guys, Bingham, Gay Brown, Justin Marble, uh, Maddie Sissoko got some tick. They got Hauser. All these guys that I thought, how the hell are we going to defend them? And we did. So that is a credit to this team. That's a great win. That's great game planning. Um, and I think that they probably, and I say they, the Illini coaching staff went into this assuming that Kofi was not going to play. And I just thought that's a marvelous game plan and execution, more importantly from the players, to keep those guys at bay. Those are just terrible matchups. Terrible matchups. I'm not looking forward to going to East Lansing. Um, but maybe you got a shot. You know, I, mean, I think it'll be another close game. I just thought that when push comes to shove, they got too much size. That started to show up late in the game. So Alani Dave, yes. The offense stunk late. Ugh, a bit concerning. That's where Kofi helps you out. That's where Plummer's got to make a shot or two. That's where Grandison has to be something. But you know what? As time goes on, I mean, look at the closing lineup out there. It was Luke Goody out there. I don't think it's going to be as easy as just saying Luke Goody's now in the closing lineup. But I don't mind if he is. There is an IQ that this kid has on the court 
the rebound he had with nine seconds to go. Huge. And I know that Trent still missed the free throws, but you put yourself in a position to close it out right then and there because of his rebound. Three threes. All of them look great. I mean, the one where he shook his defender out of his shoes. You heard the audible, you know, from the crowd at State Farm Center. That was badass. Kid can play. I want to see him play more. Out of all the freshmen we knew coming in that he was maybe the most seasoned and the guy that could make an impact this year. Why not? Why not let him continue to play 15 minutes a game? I think there's a spot for him. He plays great defense, too. I mean, that's the thing. There's the rebounding. There's the shooting. But I think he plays great defense. And don't scoff at his size. I mean, is he really losing any height or wingspan to Jacob Grandison, who's not giving you anything defensively and unfortunately not giving you anything offensively? I'm not throwing Jake off to the side because we know when he's efficient how good he can be for you. But right now, there's something lost in translation. Underwood chalked it up to rhythm. But I don't think there was any reason Grandison shouldn't have been more effective tonight. And uh, I think it's something to consider going forward and to take a little bit of the onus off of Jake as well. Uh, Let's see here. From It's Whipple, there was a nice play that we ran for him on a layup for Plummer. If he had stopped and fake, probably would have went to the line, but it was good D by Michigan State. That is one part of that end game, the last five minutes. I think it was 18 to 5 Michigan State run. It's because Michigan State's good and they play good defense. Now, you got to play better offense. And even though Michigan State got 18 points there in the last seven or eight minutes, I still don't really have an issue with Illinois' defense. Again, I think it goes to eventually that size was going to create havoc for you, and it did late in the game. You were fortunate enough, though, and, and you played well enough to build up that lead. So, I mean, it's a 40-minute game. You know, you can't take any five-minute thing and just say, well, that's the game. No, the reason that Michigan State's going to be looking at this frustrated they lost is that for 37, 38 minutes, or sorry, not 37, 32 or 33, not exactly a mathematician here, they weren't good. I mean, that's their story. They they played so well up in Wisconsin. There was no reason for them to lose this game. They're on the other side of it now. Now, is it as bad of a loss as Illinois-Maryland? Maybe not, but on the other hand, without Kofi and without Andre Curbelo, and, and you're a Michigan State fan right now thinking, how? How do you guys lose that game? Are they the 10th best team in the nation? No. Are they top 15 quality? I would say so, kind of like Illinois. And you were better than them tonight. So great. Hey, one point better. That's all that matters. And um, yeah, so we got some more coming here from Bobo. Thank you for bringing this up. BBV and Payne combined. Seven for 10 from the field. They had 15 points, six rebounds, one assist. One of two from the line. <laughs> I'll take 50% from them. Omar actually has a pretty nice stroke from the line. He made the first free throw for Illinois. Free throws could have been the thing we would be talking about right now if Illinois loses this game. But Omar's nice stroke, got the three-point play, and really I looked at that free throw was him getting back what was a lane violation before that. So yes, Omar can drive you nuts. He drove me nuts on that lane violation because it started to get tight and you're thinking, Okay, every point matters here. You just gifted them a point when they missed two free throws in a row. He got it back, okay? That's how I'm going to view that. And overall, he's playing plus basketball. Yes, there are the head-scratching things, and I don't know if that's ever going to go away. I hope it does. Um, I'm seeing less of those head-scratching things, even though when it happens, it tends to be a big deal. You don't win, though, without Omar Payne tonight, and you don't win without BBV. Uh, massive games from them. They gave you production and defense at the five spot. I, I cannot ask for anything more from them. Trent Frazier. Okay, I'm going to kind of look at the box score here and go through this. Trent Frazier, 
was Trent Frazier. And yes, there are the missed free throws. You got to make those. Now, keep in mind, much of a closer as Iowa was, there was a game against Iowa at home. That was the last home game before the pandemic, right? And even though Iowa hit a, a shot to go up four with about 40 seconds or 35 seconds to go, Iowa got it within two. Then Iowa got fouled, and I'm pretty sure missed the front end of one and one. And then Iowa had a chance to win it, right? So, of course, you look at Iowa as a closer. Trent has closed some games for you this year. Uh, he didn't quite close it tonight, but he was still fantastic. There was an effort that he's putting out there that just boggles the mind. 36 minutes. I thought that Underwood did a good job finding those moments to spell him. He needed to be spelled, and they were able to steal some minutes with him off the court. Okay, so 36 minutes, 6 for 15 from the field, only 2 for 10 from 3, 2 for 3 from the line, and a big miss, unfortunately, at the end. Didn't bite you, though. 3 boards, 5 assists, 3 turnovers. I'll chalk that up to Michigan State's defense, especially at the end, getting tight. And maybe some fatigue, because eventually you can only play so many minutes running point and playing the defense that he's playing without a little bit of slippage, right? Uh, elsewhere, we have Andre Plummer, <laughs> Andre Plummer, Alfonso Plummer. He also played 36 minutes. Uh, defensively, I didn't see a whole, uh, a lot of lapses from him and maybe Twitch thread. You can help me out. Uh, sometimes Plummer on defense scares you. I, I did not get that sense tonight. I thought he was actually pretty good defensively. Uh, four for 11 from the field, three for seven from three. I go back to that three pointer when it was a nine point game. He made it back into a 12 point game with about eight minutes to go as one that stemmed the tide at least for a bit. Every point was necessary. He did just enough. Uh, Three boards for him, four assists. So that's good to see him getting involved with that one steal. Um, A big one at that early in the first half, 11 points for him. Grandison and DeMonte were the concerns. Yes, DeMonte had four boards and assist. He had one turnover. If I see him take another two-point shot, I, I I can't do that. (laughs) <laughs> other than Omar's lane violation, the two plays that might've drove me the craziest were DeMonte's takes. Stop doing that. He has one of the worst two point percentages of any player in the country. It's got to stop. They are not biting. The other teams are not worried about him driving it. So they aren't really leaving their man. It's not creating anything for anybody. He's dribbling it into no man's land. That, that can't happen when you have a shooter like Plummer who doesn't need much space to get a shot off. So, if you're saying DeMonte shooting a eight-foot floater or Alfonso Plummer shooting a contested three, I'm taking the Plummer contested three every single time. That has to stop. And, of course, you don't want to put it in a player's mind, hey, don't don't be aggressive. But maybe it's time um, because he's not scoring anyways. Uh, that That is something that's a concern. As I'm watching this game tonight, I'm talking to my friend and saying, just a little bit, five to six points, a three-pointer, a layup and a free throw. I don't know. Like just find your way to five or six points. Zero. You can't have that. Um, Especially with what he did for you last year. I don't need that, but I need more. I think this team needs more from him offensively. And Grandison just looks kind of disheveled. I I don't know. Like they had a great layup. He did have one three, but he's one for seven from three tonight. Um, I, I, I'm worried. I'm worried about him, and uh, there's plenty of season left, but if you don't get him going again, then you got to find kind of an alternate guy, and maybe it's Luke Goody. Um, I think that you will see maybe a shorter leash for Jacob Grandison because of how go- well Goody is playing. Coleman Hawkins, 12 minutes, zero points, two boards, two fouls, no turnovers. So that's good. 
Um, but the one field goal attempt was uh, oh, oh, a fadeaway that was blocked. That's not good. Not good. Um, that was about a two-minute stretch. And I want to say from the eight to six minute mark where you're like, God, just get another bucket or two. And I think we're going to be okay. And we didn't. And another one of those, why is that the shot in this possession? Really? The only guys that should have been shooting down the stretch were Trent or Plummer. And as off as he was, maybe Grandison, if he got an open three. Um, but this is where BBV comes in big. Um, he got, there was a, a take that he had late, not a take, I'm sorry, but a opportunity created by Trent that opened it up for BBV. And boy, if I was not super impressed with BBV's hands tonight, he's got great hands. And he ended up here, and I want to make sure I get this right, with eight points on four of seven shooting. Eight points. And I look at the three that he missed, those were contested. But for the most part, he's putting the layups in. And this is the same guy that against Purdue had an open layup, passed it up, and it led to a three. But we are seeing with him much more comfort. He is clearly a smart basketball player. I have a weird comfort when he's in there that he's not going to screw up. So that's step one, right? Are you not going to screw up? Great. Okay. Well, can you produce? And he did tonight. I'm excited to see him develop. I don't think, and I don't think any of us think, that he's going to be a star, but I do think that he can be a pretty valuable player for this team the next couple of seasons, and maybe even this season. We're seeing right now the minutes he's given you. Uh, Omar Payne, three for three from the field. Hey, man, all you got to do is make the layups, and he did, and a nice alley-oop from Trent as well. Um, And yeah, the seven points for him, the eight points for BBV were huge. Brandon Lieb, two minutes of tick. Nothing on the stat sheet. You know, he's just there to stand, run around, set a pick. He set a monster pick. Luke Goody, though. Oh, my God. I didn't realize this. 28 minutes. 28 minutes out of necessity. But he played more than Jacob Grandison. So, again, we'll see going forward. Does Luke Goody start getting 15 minutes a game? I, I hope so. He is, a, he is an all-around player. He is a two-way player. You don't get that from freshmen very much. Three for four from three. Well, three for four from the field. He didn't have any two-point attempts. So he knows what he is. A D and three guy, or a three and D, however that term would go. And he's good at it. Um, Also, four rebounds, two assists. For a true freshman in a game like this, that, you know, we we would say must win, but we understood the context that, okay, well, we probably aren't going to win. So no one in the stadium was saying it's a must win so much as they were saying, I guess it'd be nice, but I'm not expecting much. Well, when you get a game like this from Luke Goody, you got a chance. He gave you a chance. That was freaking phenomenal. Um, really excited for this kid, as I think we all were coming in, but to show up like this in this game is reason to get really pumped up about Luke Goody. I'm going to hit up the uh, Twitch thread here. Bobo says that the TV guys call that lead pick a bone-crushing pick. I can't believe there wasn't a foul called on him. Just, you know, I, I thought the officials let them play on one hand, but in the second half they were starting to tighten up, and when the Michigan State guy went flying, I thought, whoa. How is that not going to be called? And there were some of those really physical plays that were not called. So to the point earlier that some of you guys made that maybe they should have swallowed the whistle at the end of the game, the way it was being called, that would be case in point, right? That there were some really physical things they were letting go. Uh, You know, Jay Wolfie says, Luke Goody plays with grit. And, you know, sometimes that could be accused of being like a cliche thing to say, but he does. And it does seem like he's the kind of guy that fits this Underwood model. Um, when I look at something like what he does, Trent Frazier embodies it as a fifth-year uh, senior. DeMonte does as well, but here's the difference. Goody has the grit, and he's got the finesse when it comes to his offensive game. 
And I tell you what, uh, I the, the way he shook that Michigan State guy out of his shoes was freaking fantastic. Uh, also from It's Whipple here. If you didn't know where Goody was from, Goody, excuse me, was from, and watch him shoot, you'd immediately know he was from Indiana. He's a less annoying Tom Coverdale and a bigger one, right? It would be fantastic if he can have a Tom Coverdale-like career. And I don't see why not. Um, he's got the size, he's got the skill, he's got the IQ, and he's already defending. So I think there's reasons to be very high on him. And when you compare him perhaps to a Coleman Hawkins where we get so frustrated sometimes with Coleman. And you know, I don't think it's an effort thing with Coleman anymore. It's just I, I think sometimes he just like has these mental, you know. I don't see Goody having that. So that just gives me all the confidence that we aren't going to have as many bumps in the road for him. It's still going to be a process, but I don't think there's going to be these massive valleys in his game like maybe we see with a Coleman Hawkins, right? Maybe that's that's an apples and oranges comparison, but I'm very high on what Luke, Luke Goody's doing. Alani Dave says, Goody, Luke Johnson 2.0. I think he can be better than Lucas. You know, I love Lucas. He was the kind of guy that really fit in that uh, with that team in the early 2000s. Great defense. And he could shoot, he could make the occasional three, right? So I don't want to scoff at Lucas Johnson. That was a very good career. I just think the ceiling is much higher for Luke, Luke Goody. And uh, boy, tonight, I would love to think that's his coming out party. I don't expect him to have an Andre Curbelo-like star finish to his freshman year. But I have no problem with him playing key minutes. Because I don't think he's going to screw up for you at a minimum. And he might hit a big shot, or he might get a big board, or might get a big stop. Keep playing him, Brad. Keep playing him. What about Brad Underwood in this game? Um, you know, if you were to say, what schematically did you do that led to the win? You know, how much of this is Brad Underwood's win? I don't know if schemat schematically it's so much a part as it is just kind of keeping this team together in these three days since they lost at Maryland. And he talks about culture and culture and culture. Now, when they lose, it's like, Brad, I don't want to hear about it right now. I don't want to hear about culture when you just lost at freaking Maryland, right? And man, was I ticked on Friday. And then, you know, you have more press conferences. And I like Brad when we're winning, as we all do. And I love that open, honest kind of way that he approaches press conferences. But after a loss, it's funny how that open honesty can sometimes be like, okay, Brad, stop. Just win the game. I just need you to win this game. Now, is this a greedy Illini fan talking? Yes, it is clear what he's done with this program is remarkable. And I have no questions about Brad Underwood long-term. Um, but there are these little blips here and there that we've seen the last three seasons, especially in Big Ten play, where you can pinpoint this game, this game, and this game and say, well, I know the culture is overall pretty good, but why these kinds of slips? It's one thing to lose a game at Maryland. It's another thing to lose it in the way that you did. That seems to fly in the face of this culture that he talks about. Well, tonight was about as um, compelling of an example that, yes, there is a culture that is developed in this program, and it means something, you know, and it, it's sticking with these old guys, with these younger guys, and that hopefully, as you have, if we want to call it a rebuild year next year, that might actually be an appropriate term, that maybe you don't have to go back to square one. Maybe there's a culture that's strong enough Kind of like what we see with Michigan State, though Izzo's been doing it for coming up on you know 25 years. Um, you want to get to that level. I mean, Michigan State, I'm watching them tonight, and there's some guys I remember, but there's also some new faces that are out there for significant points of the game. And I'm thinking, well, that's just what they do. It doesn't really matter the names on the jersey. You can count on Michigan State having certain kinds of guys. They always do. 
now maybe Illinois is getting into that sort of thing where now you're building a program and now you're having a certain kind of guy continue to come in where, yes, you're going to lose key contributors after this year, but maybe you don't have to go all the way back to ninth or 10th in the Big Ten. Maybe you just kind of keep things rolling. Um, Tonight was massive in that regard because it tells me that there's something brewing here and that there is a buy-in. What happened Friday could have had a hangover effect into into tonight, especially as Michigan State is clawing back and clawing back. And we could sit here and say, well, you let him back in the game. I truly felt like as undermanned as you were, that was inevitable. It was all about just getting that one extra shot or one extra stop. The culture was there tonight, and I think that helped push you through. I really do, and that sounds very meatball fan of me. I understand that, but um, to that, I got to give Underwood all the credit in the world um, for getting this win. They so badly needed it. It's the first marquee win of the season. They don't have one yet. At Iowa was a nice win. Um, I don't know. God, I mean, Michigan, I think, will turn out to be a nice win. Because they're starting to play good ball now. I mean, you got them at the exact right time and without Hunter Dickinson. So I feel pretty good about that. Because whatever spark was lit under their butts, I mean, we saw it here. They played their butts off. They're doing that now with a healthy team. So watch out for them. And I'm interested to see what that matchup looks like in late February. Um, But yeah, overall, that was the win that you so sorely needed, especially with the stretch coming up. Now, I got about five more minutes here before I sign off. So this is going to be maybe a bit shorter of a podcast, but, um, the stretch coming up Northwestern on Saturday, and we'll do a live podcast for that. And I need to see what time that is. And Twitch thread, do any of you guys happen to know when that game is on Saturday? I want to say Saturday afternoon, regardless, we will be here for a second half podcast. That's going to be tough. Uh, I expect a win and anything less than that will be disappointing. You got to get that win, right? I mean, there are tough wins in the big 10 season. If you want to continue to be at the top of it, That's one you got to get. So I don't care how well Northwestern's playing. I don't care if they're healthy. And I don't even care if Kofi's out. You need to win that game. You have to. And you have won at Northwestern for a few times in a row, correct? Haven't you? Uh, I think so. Um, Then, ah, next Wednesday, Wisconsin. Okay, so it is a 3.30 tip. Love that. That's a perfect tip off for this game. Uh, Thanks, Bobo. On Wednesday, next Wednesday, Wisconsin comes into town. I think that's an 8 o'clock tip. Got to win that. I think you do. I actually like the matchup against Wisconsin because I think other than Johnny Davis, you match up well with every other guy in that starting five. And I think you just got the size. Actually, that's one of those games where as long as Kofi's back, and I mean, you'd think he would be, that it should be a game that he feast. I would hope. Got to win that, right? And then this is the two, the, the key two-game stretch. At Indiana, at Purdue. You got to at least split that. Which one's easier? Well, we know the answer is Indiana, right? Um, despite the win against Purdue, then they came and lay, come and lay a stinker against um, Michigan, right, two days ago on Sunday. Now, I do not expect them to play that poorly against Illinois. They've actually played Illinois pretty tough in the last couple of years. It just so happens that I think you've won three in a row. But I look at that game as one of those that we remember at the end of the season. If you get a win in Indiana like that, then you're still in the Big Ten title conversation. Tonight went a long way in that, though. You know, it's something that we can at least still talk about. And there are things that this team's going to have to figure out, but it also might be the case where in this Big Ten, it's just freaking nuts. And 14 and six may do it. You know, I, I thought 15 and five would certainly do it, but I'm starting to maybe gravitate towards 14 and six because Purdue can't seem to get out of their own way sometimes. 
I can't bank on them just rattling off eight or nine in a row without a slip up here and there. And I certainly can't count on Wisconsin because I thought they were humbled by Michigan State and they were the beneficiaries other than a big one at Purdue, the beneficiaries of a nice easy schedule, kind of like Illinois was. I don't buy Michigan State to go 15 and five. So you just got to sort of, I mean, I'm as a fan, I can look ahead and say, well, here's the four game stretch. But really, it is a one game at a time proposition, as cliche as that sounds. Can this veteran Illinois team keep that in mind? I don't know if they lost to Maryland because they were looking ahead to Michigan State. I think they lost to Maryland just because they played like crap. And uh, maybe the Kofi thing was sprung on them late. I'm not really sure. Uh, But tonight at least gives me a little more confidence that they now have a renewed focus that you just got to get the stupid win. And they have found many different ways to win. I don't want the hair-pulling frustration on Saturday afternoon when we get here at like 4.30 for the second half. I don't want that. Um, I would love for them to just get a win. And then at that point, you're eight and three. Is that okay? Right. Let's, no, sorry. You're seven and two in conference, correct? Seven and two. That'd get you to eight and two ahead of a massive three game stretch Wisconsin at Indiana at Purdue. Now, I'd say the schedule lightens up. It doesn't really. Uh, you got a few nice games in, uh, here and there without um, throughout the schedule, but overall, it's the Big Ten and there's landmines throughout. But I do think those landmines are there for other teams, and no one has really emerged as the team to beat. Purdue would be the one, but they already got three losses, and you get one more shot against them. So what the hell? I'm still excited for February 10th. Final thought. This Illinois team, I still think the ceiling's high, right? Today, if I was frustrated around you know 3, 4 in the afternoon and it seemed less likely that Kofi would play, I get the feeling that, um, oh, wow. Okay, Bobo, I'm going to get to that in a second. That's a pretty interesting quote from Underwood. Um I really do think the ceiling is still high for this team. As they stand right now, they're a top 15 team, I think, in the country. Top 15. That's really good. Probably like a four seed in the tournament. And if this trend continues and they don't quite reach that ceiling, you're looking at a team that's probably a four seed in the NCAA tournament. And if I'm being honest, because of all the inconsistency with you know guys being out and not quite able to coalesce into the team that we hope they would be at this point with injuries and with COVID, I don't know if they're going to be able to go on the kind of run to get off that four line and climb up into a three or two. They might still find their way to a Big Ten title, but if they do, I think it's going to be because things get kind of mucked up in the standings with other teams. However, I will take a team that is playing at their best in March, finally healthy, finally getting into the groove, and maybe this team could stand being the hunter, a team that can get to the second weekend and get that matchup against a one seed, like an Auburn, which might have been mentioned here. Uh, whoa, 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 Bobo. Missouri is beating Auburn with less than two minutes to go. Seriously. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, give me a shot in, in the second weekend. Give me a shot against a one seed. This Illinois team I don't think is going to work their way up to the two or three line. They could if they go on a run like last year. Um, and here's one final thought as well. You are ahead of the curve from where you were last year at this point. This was the exact moment of the season where you kind of hit a road bump and there was some uncertainty, not due to injury and not due to COVID. The team just hit a wall. Now, I do think that if you can get the win at Northwestern, I think you can beat Wisconsin just based on the strength of that matchup. I really like that matchup anyways, regardless of Johnny Davis. 
And then maybe we can start talking about getting on a roll. And yeah, okay, we're going to look ahead. We're going to try to prognosticate. And that's kind of a foolish endeavor, just like we saw at Maryland. We can't just say, oh, win, loss, win, loss. It's never that easy. But this team does have a track record in the last two years of going on a run. I don't think the 6-0 and start in the Big Ten is the only run that they're going to go on. The question is, is, are they good enough to go on a run like this and steal road wins at a place like a Purdue or steal a road win at a place like, oh God, do we play at Ohio State? See, this is the uh, one last factor before I check out here. I want to check the schedule and see exactly who the single plays are. And if I recall, you get Wisconsin only at home and that's a big scheduling break and you only get Ohio State at home. Ah, Man, that's huge. That's really huge. So Northwestern away, Wisconsin at home, Indiana away, Purdue away. If you can go three and one in that stretch, I, I think you're Big Ten favorites. If you can go three and one in that stretch. If you go four and oh, sure. but and two and two, I think you're still alive, but need, need to do some work. That sets you up for the rest of the season. Northwestern at home, Rutgers away, Michigan State away, Ohio State at home, Michigan away, and this is where you get a huge scheduling break. Your last two games of the year are Penn State and Iowa. Ken Palm now, after tonight's win, projects you to finish 14-6 and six in conference. Now, if I were to go real quick and check out the other teams, like Purdue, for example, they project Purdue to go 13-6, and six, so 14-6, and six, once they make up that game against Michigan. They project Ohio State to go... 12 and 7. So they got another game to make up there. They project Wisconsin to go 13 and 7. So according, oh, and let me check Michigan State real quick. They project Michigan State to go 13 and 6. So they got to make up there against Michigan. In other words, it is a muddled mess at the top. And according to this analytic site at Ken Palm, they think it will be a close race where you're going to have some teams in that 14 and 6 mix. At seven and two, you're feeling pretty good. Can you go seven and four in these last 11 games? You can. Maybe you can do even better. But as we know in this Big Ten, you could do worse. So let's get Kofi back. Let's get Curbelo back. Let's work Curbelo back in gradually so we don't have this thing where he has a monster game against Purdue and presumably he runs out of gas, he gets sick, and then he's got to take a break. I I hope that that doesn't happen again. But um, at least there is a path, though, and it, it might be choppy or. Maybe it's just like the last two years and we go on a run. And it just so happens that this year, unlike the first two seasons, you build enough of a, uh, a lead or uh, enough of a, uh, you know, build up those wins early in the conference schedule, which we haven't done recently to this degree. And that gives you an advantage down the stretch. All right, Twitch stream, I want to thank you guys for joining me tonight. I got some things to do for school tomorrow, um, so I'm going to get out of here. It's 930. And is there a Big Ten game going on right now? Auburn, by the way, is up now four with 45 seconds to go. They won by one, according to Bobo. And I think that it was going to be Rutgers versus Michigan. Who else was playing tonight? Um, And Twitch stream, if you can help me out with that as I hit the sponsors to close out. DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com for all your vintage-inspired Illini apparel. Go online to fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction online at rec. TORConstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. That is RectorConstruction.com. And finally, uh, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. There we go. Brian is my guy online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. He's my guy. He can be your guy. 
brianismyguy.com. All right, uh, I'm going to check here real quick and see if there is another box score for the Big Ten. I felt like there was one other game that was on the docket tonight. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Missouri loses by one. Ugh, poor Missouri. That's a case where actually is it wrong to root for Bruce Pearl over Missouri? Is that fine? Uh, Maryland won at Rutgers by eight. Maybe Maryland ends up going like eight and ten in the Big Ten. You know, they they kind of rally around Danny Manning. Um, maybe that looks like less of a bad loss by the end of it, though. Again, you still got to get that. Hey, guess what, though? You beat Michigan State. You stole one. Not even worried about the Maryland game anymore. Um, and when you steal one like tonight, you finally got a marquee win against a top 10 team. And I don't care if Michigan State's not legit a top 10 team. That's a quality win that will help you come selection Sunday and in the Big Ten race. So I'm going to get some shut eye. going to try at least. Hope you guys enjoyed the game. For those that were there, it was a thrilling night. It was a lot of fun. The most fun I've had there in, in quite a while that ended in a win. Because Purdue and Arizona, that was fun. But then you walk out empty. Didn't walk out empty tonight and still on cloud nine. So I, I think a lot of Illini fans are as they listen to this late on Tuesday night or on their way to work Wednesday morning. But thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back on Saturday for a live podcast Saturday afternoon, Illinois Northwestern second half with Trevor Valise and Isaac Ambrose. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you soon. It is the 200 level.